right, welcome back to Ducks and Pucks. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. Uh, this week we've got a good show. There's uh, some more Ducks news going on, even though there hasn't been any hockey. We've got uh, some Tamu news, some Silverberg news, and some Jaguar news that we're going to talk about. We also have one of our writers, Jeremy, on the show. He's going to talk with us today about all the moves and what's going on and, and some of the stuff he's been doing on the blog as well. And then we'll uh, round up the show with a little bit of a discussion about uh, hockey analytics and some fan questions. So first off on the news, we had uh, Tamu Solani Hockey Academy, Eddie. Um, what do you think? They're going to try and build an academy in two years. Uh, yeah, it, um, I think uh, Timu said in uh, one of his uh, press conferences that he says that you know they have uh, goalie schools all over the world in Finland, but uh, but not goal scoring uh, schools. So uh, it it looks like uh, he's um, I I'm not sure um, I haven't heard much about it, but um, uh, it looks it, it, it he's building it uh, in Finland, right? Yeah, that's correct in Finland. Yeah, so it, it looks like he's just trying to uh, to. Uh, bring something new to their uh, they, the academy schools there that they uh, that they don't have, and uh, if you look at across the NHL, it's not like they have uh, any problems bringing up Finnish hockey players there. But um, I, I think it will help in the long run in uh, in developing uh, better goal scorers coming from Finland. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we have Jeremy on here with us too. Jeremy, what do you think about uh, the academy for Solani? You know, I think it's a great idea. When I mean, you're looking at it being a goal scoring school, I mean, <laughs> who better in Finland to, uh, you know, open, open a uh, goal scoring school other than Tamu? I mean, <laughs> doesn't get much better than that. So I think it's, it's definitely great and it'll help develop even more of a, that, uh, Finnish talent over there. Yeah. You know, he talked about, uh, from one of the Finnish reporters, he talked about the school, not only being for Finland, but he was talking about Sweden, obviously, cause it's right there, but he talked about Russia and he also talked about North America uh, U.S. and Canada, Eddie. He talked about all of it. Yeah, um, I think. Uh, well, he's obviously going to start in Finland. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he opened more eventually. But it's a long uh, process to open one of them. So uh, I think they said he, he, it's going to take them a, a couple years to to actually build the uh, the sports complex that they're looking at building. Uh, but yeah, I um, when if you have it over uh, in Finland, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you got people from uh, anywhere close by, like Sweden or Norway, to come over and. Uh, and participated in his hockey school, and then yeah, um, eventually, um, I I wouldn't be surprised seeing him opening up uh, one, you know, close to California if that's where he's going to be staying, or or in Canada too. You know, that's a good uh, point that you bring up, Eddie, because uh, some of the reaction that uh, some of the fans have told me is, you know, it's great that there's going to be um, an academy in Finland, but they're like, what about over here with all the growth and the development? You know, maybe uh, he, he or someone else tries to make one out here, either, you know, on the West Coast in, in the United States or Canada. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, is it like you said, uh, hockey in California is definitely growing with the with the success of the Kings and the Ducks and the Sharks. So um, I think it's only a matter of time before he brings one here. Uh, obviously, he's focusing on. Uh, putting one in Finland first, but uh, um, like we uh, said earlier, that he uh, he's obviously looking to uh, open more eventually. So I think California is definitely on his mind. And you know, the other news we still haven't heard is whether or not he's going to play in Jokerit, uh, Jeremy. What do you think? Do you think he's going to go over there and do the one-year deal? You know, he was offered ten million for a full season or five million for just the home games. You know, that's. 
that's kind of a tough one for me to to answer because I mean he still has you know both of his sons over here that are going to school over here. They're both playing hockey over here. Um, <laughs> I think he's gonna do it just for the you know the reasons that it's Tamu and he's a hockey player and he can still play hockey. I mean, there's it's the money you know they could offer him a million bucks and I'm pretty sure he would still do it. The money has nothing to do with it as far as I'm concerned when it comes to Tamu. So. I, I see him doing it. I'm not surprised the decision hasn't been made yet. Um, I think it's something he's going to think about for maybe a couple more weeks, and then eventually he's gonna he'll probably end up doing it, maybe just the home game, so he's still able to travel over here when he needs to. But I, you know, I think at some point he's just gonna he's gonna say yes, he's gonna do it. You know, and this is another uh, thing that Eddie and I brought up. What do you think about Saku Koilu? Because he's the only other duck that hasn't resigned with another team. Do you think he may go over there uh, with Tamu? That, you know, the only reason I would actually say no to him doing that is because of that concussion that he got last year. And, you know, it had actually really, he said at the time, it had really, really scared him because he'd never really have a problem with that before, and he didn't want to have a problem with that ever again. So I'm kind of thinking that, you know, this could just be it for Saku because, you know, he he was staying with the Ducks for one more shot at a cup, and while he could have a chance in Minnesota or Montreal, you know, I, I just don't see it. I, I kind of think his hockey career is just finished all around. What do you think, Eddie? Uh, yeah, um... I don't know. He, it seems like he's taken a long time, obviously, to make his decision, too. I don't know how many teams are actually interested in bringing uh, Saka Koivu over, over to their team. I think, like, the only ones that we've mentioned are Minnesota to go play with his brother or go back to Montreal. And I don't really see him fitting in any either of those teams. So, I, uh, um, like Jeremy said, I think his, his career is pretty much over, too. All right. Well, uh, as far as some other news going on... Um... In addition to Tamu, we'll wait for his decision, obviously, and see if he goes to uh, Finland and uh, Koibu's hopefully soon after that. But we've also got uh, Silverberg got re-signed. And um, for one year, 850000 uh, what do you think, uh, Eddie? Uh, I think it's a really good deal, actually. Um, it, it could turn out to it, – it depends because it's sort of a bridge deal. You know, bridge deal is usually two years, but it's only one. Uh, it's for relatively nothing. Um, but we only got a limited sample size of what he could do last year. He played 52 games um, and then he uh, went off with injury. So I think that both of them uh, recognized the situation last year. And uh, this is probably the best contract for both of them right now. Uh, and Silverberg will be looking to uh, have a good season this year so he can get a payday next year. What do you think, Jeremy? Do you like the one-year uh, deal, or do you think you should have gotten more? Some fans were telling me that they had hoped for maybe a two- or three-year deal. Well, what I had read originally was that um, he was actually offered a, a two-year deal similar to what uh, Votnin got, and basically he and his agent had turned it down because they want the uh, the option of that one-year deal to, to you know pretty much prove himself because, like Eddie touched on, you know he, uh, he played 52 games last year. He ended up missing a lot because of that uh, slash of the hand he took in Ottawa that broke it and, you know, was out for those two months, close to two months, whatever it was. Um, and he never really, to me, he never really came back after that. I mean, he's always kind of sort of had an issue, even internationally, where 
when he's shooting, he tends to be, you know, somewhat inaccurate, sometimes either shooting really wide, really high. And I think we definitely saw that after he came back from the injury. Now, I do know that he's over in uh, Sweden right now training and playing locally over there. So I like it from the standpoint that, you know, it's a cheap deal. Not that the Ducks really need the space. I believe that they're ranked number 23 in cap space right now. So they've got a lot available. But, you know, it's it's for him to do that to himself. It's it's a it's I'm going to show you that I can, you know, play up to, you know, a high level deal. And I hope he does that. My only concern with it is that I hope he doesn't get, you know, a big head about it when, you know, if he does play up to that level that everybody's hoping he is and demands a lot more money than you know, Bob Murray or the Ducks are willing to give him at the time. Yeah, you know, because uh, like you said, expectations are kind of high. You know, he came over and was on fire in the beginning uh, in those first handful of games until he got hurt. Um, what do you think we expect from him this year, Eddie, in terms of goals and assists and performance? Well, if he plays on the uh, the line that we were discussing before and that uh, Bruce Boudreau mentioned in the interview on Sportsnet, if he plays with Cogliano and Kessler in that second line, then um, – you could see his production uh, rise significantly. Uh, he still had a decent season last year, even with injury. You know, 23 points in 52 games isn't amazing, but it's his first year in the team uh, last year, and uh, you know he's get, getting assimilated and everything. So, and playing with a, a center like Kessler, uh, I could definitely see his numbers uh, rise from that. Yeah, I mean, like we had talked about uh, on previous podcasts is that second punch that the Ducks need. And, you know, if you have Silverberg, Cogliano, Kessler on the second line, I think that's the second punch that the Ducks need. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy? Uh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, the Kessler signing was huge just because, I mean, it gave them so many more options. You know, Cogliano is a natural center, but. You know, Cogliano's problem at playing center is that he's actually well under 50%. I think he's like 39% in the, uh, in the face-off circle, which is not what you want out of your uh, number two center, especially when you've got Ryan Getzlaff and Corey, play- yeah, Corey Perry playing on the line, uh, you know, in front of you. You have to have that that second punch. And Kessler was huge because, I mean, it's going to it's gonna give them that, and it's going to elevate whoever plays, you know, on his wing. So, I mean, Cogliano was a beast last year, and I – really think he's going to be even better this year and you know hopefully it's that it's that little extra that gives Silverberg what he needs to uh get to where he wants to be get to where the Ducks want him to be um I definitely agree that that's going to be if that's the way that those lines are set up that's going to be probably you know arguably the best one-two punch in the NHL next year yeah and you know that was part of the issue that we had in the playoffs last year was in the faceoff circle. I mean, I can't remember what I, I looked up the stats on the Dallas series. I can't remember what I know against the Kings we were about fifty uh, less in faceoff wins. So Eddie, I hope that this uh, will help not just in the regular season but the postseason next year. Yeah, uh, well, now we have uh, Getzlaff, who's not terrible at faceoffs, but you know he's definitely not one of the top guys in the league at faceoffs. And then you bring in Kessler, who is one of the top guys in the league. You bring in Thompson, who's who can hold his own in the faceoff circle. And then you you bring in Raquel, who who looked pretty decent in the faceoff circle last year. And if he's going to play th- third or fourth line center, you've got you know three or four guys who can who can win more than fifty percent of the faceoffs, which is something we haven't had. In a long time, and it, it makes a real difference, and, and uh, hopefully we'll see that next year or this year. Yeah, definitely. You know, another a question that I got from some fans, too, was we had Thomas on a little a while ago, and he wrote an article about Bobby Ryan and the trade. And I still get some fans, and I don't disagree, that you know are irritated about how that all went down. 
Do you think next year when we look at Silverberg and how he's going to do, Jeremy, do you think the fans are still going to compare him to Bobby Ryan? I think everybody's always going to compare it to Bobby Ryan because, I mean, Bobby Ryan was a you know perennial 30-goal scorer year in and year out. But, I mean, when you look at that trade, I mean, I just don't see how the Ducks came up short. I mean, sure, we lost Bobby Ryan, but Bobby was, you know, getting to the point of being irritated with the trade rumors and all that stuff every year. And then, you know, he was never – when you're playing on a team with Getzlaff and Perry, you're never going to be the guy, you know, to put it – kind of cliche you're just never going to be the guy for that team they're always going to be you know the number one the number two people that uh you know everyone's always talking about and when you look at the trade with ottawa i mean we got silverberg who has a ton of potential we got noison who was you know bob murray's original target in that draft and he lost out on him you know obviously to ottawa the picker right before the ducks he ends up getting him anyway we got basically nick ritchie with their pick i mean it's (laughs) The trade, I think, just leans too much in the Ducks' favor. But, yeah, I think it's always going to be compared because Bobby is just one of those guys where, you know, he's probably going to end up scoring 30 goals plus for the rest of his career no matter where he lands. But I think we got too much in return to really, you know, criticize the trade. What do you think, Eddie? you think we did well on that trade? Or do you think we should, you know, still try to hold Silverberg to the Bobby Ryan standard? Or what do you think? Well, I don't think we should really hold Silverberg to the Bobby Ryan standard, considering we got three players in, in the deal. If it was Silverberg straight up for, for Bobby Ryan, then I could see why people would want to compare both of them. But it's it wasn't a straight up swap. We got three guys in return when you, uh, you take into account Nick Ritchie. Um and yeah, like we still haven't seen a full season from Silverberg. Uh, you know, Nace is still in the uh, in the AHL, and then obviously Nick Ritchie was a top ten pick, and uh, he's looking pretty good too. So, I yeah, I can't really see how we we lost this. Um, you know, Bobby Ryan's rumored to be leaving Ottawa for Philadelphia in a trade. So, um, yeah, I I don't see really any way how we lost the the trade between uh, for Bobby Ryan. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, that's what I've been trying to tell some of the fans that have, you know, done the comparison. And I'm like, look, it wasn't a straight up, you know, one for one trade. We got three people. I mean, you've got to look at it in the long term, just like both of you have touched on. And if you look at the big picture, I think the Ducks uh, still came out ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like like I said, you know, and like you guys are saying right now, it's just we got we got too much in return. And like Eddie just said, I mean, Bobby's finding himself in the middle of trade rumors again because, you know, Spets has just left Ottawa. And, you know, they're a team that's really not looking to spend money. And I don't know how much Bobby's going to be demanding, really. But, you know, I could I could definitely see him moving in the next year. And then, you know, where does that leave Ottawa with that trade? They basically lost out on four players pretty much then. So. I, I yeah I agree with you guys I just don't see how the Ducks missed on that one definitely the um, the other news that came out this week which we we all pretty much had heard but uh, was Jaguar coming out saying that he's going to announce his retirement uh, next year or I mean I'm sorry next week Eddie uh, what do you think about uh, Jaguar retiring well yeah I think it's it's probably the best time uh, he had that little skate around with with Solani and you know he's fallen behind Varlamov. Uh, in Colorado, he doesn't get a lot of uh, you know playing time, uh, so it, it's it's a, the best time for him. And uh, yeah, like uh, he'll he'll definitely be uh, remembered, and you know he'll his jersey will probably be the next one to be retired by the Ducks uh, after Solani. So, but yeah, I think it's it's definitely the best time in his career for for him to retire. You know, and speaking of that, if he um, 
is retired by the Ducks, Jeremy. Do you think the Ducks retire him later this year after the Tamu retirement? Or do you think maybe the Ducks organization waits till next year? I think they're going to give it probably until next year just because, I mean, you know, Tamu's going to be the first number to be retired by the Ducks ever, obviously. And I think they kind of want to just remember this season as the season that, you know, his number and his number only was retired. And then, you know, probably in the next season they can start looking at guys like, obviously Jagir and then you know possibly even Niedermeyer who knows but yeah I think it's going to be at least at least a full season all right and if uh it's next season when they retire one of the fans um had asked me will they retire Jagir's number you know 35 and then does Gibson stay at 36 because before he had worn uh 35 Eddie uh well if they retire the number I I don't or with you know they raise his number to the office I, I think he'll have to stay at 36 or you know go with one of the uh <clears throat> with one or 30 or or something uh, but i don't think it really matters in that aspect if you if they retire 35 i don't think it's a real big deal to him if he doesn't get 35 right well you know we look forward to that and hopefully um like we said it'll probably be next season you know shagara there's just so many good memories obviously the uh we talked about this before, Eddie, the uh, 2003 run, uh, obviously coming up one game short, and then uh, 2007, um, the best season, of course. Um, so I think, you know, just like Tamu, Jaguar will always be a fan favorite just because of his class act and just the way he's interacted with the fans and, and dealt with the media and everybody else. Um, what do you think, Jeremy? Oh, I agree. And, I mean, you saw it, you know, the night where, uh, you know, fan appreciation night, Tammy's last regular season game, where they ended up doing, you know, Jiggy wasn't expecting it at the time, obviously. His reaction when Tammy came over and kind of grabbed him to do that that uh, final skate together was uh, a little bit unexpected on his part. But, I mean, you saw it. Everybody that was in the building that night was on their feet. And, you know, it was a, it was a great moment. And it showed that the fans in Anaheim haven't forgotten about him. And, you know, we all still love him for <laughs> everything he did for us and the guy that he is. So, yeah, I definitely agree. Any other final thoughts on Jagir, Eddie? Uh, yeah, I wanted. I was trying to. Uh, you you uh, asked me about this a couple of days ago. Uh, what team uh, they'll play against when uh, if when they retire his uh, his number? Because you know Solani, um, they're they're retiring on the eleventh when they play uh, Winnipeg. So you know with the, with Jiggy, is it do you do Calgary? Uh, do you do Carolina because he was drafted by uh, the the Whalers? Do you do you go with right. uh, Colorado? Do you go with Toronto? You know. Uh, who do you who do you uh, re- play against when you retire his jersey? That's what I was kind of wondering. You know that that is a good question. That's a you know actually that was Alex from Huntington Park that asked us that question. Is uh, who would he play? You know, I mean, as some people don't know, you know, he started with the Hartford Whalers, which are no longer existent, obviously. So I think that that's a tough one. I think maybe if the Ducks retire his jersey next season. Uh, and, may, and maybe you can chime in on this, uh, Jeremy. I think maybe they might do something like opening day or maybe um, something like fan appreciation at the end of the season. Uh, maybe they'll just base it upon one of the big uh, home games where the Ducks, you know, honor the fans, kind of combine it like that. Or maybe do you think something else, Jeremy? No, I kind of I kind of think you've got it right there because, I mean, he's played for, you know, so many teams, whereas Tamu, I mean, it made sense to do it against the Jets because, you know, that's where he started his career. And I know a lot of the Winnipeg fans are going to be coming down for that game and everybody's looking really forward to that. So that made sense. But, I mean, with Jiggy, it's kind of 
it's kind of hard to just say, okay, well, we're going to do it against this team because of this reason. It just makes more sense to, you know, where it could be an opening day type retirement ceremony or, like you said, a fan appreciation day where, you know, the building's definitely going to be, be full already and all that. So I could see it on either one of those days, actually. What do you think, Eddie? You think it'd be one of those days, or would you pick a certain team for the Ducks to face to honor Jaguar? Yeah, I think doing it on opening day or one of those days is best too, because he played eight games for Hartford, so doing it in Carolina would be kind of pointless. And then <laughs> right. he played a couple seasons for Calgary, but he only played about twenty actual NHL games for them. Uh, his majority of his career is in Anaheim, and then you know he plays like a year in Toronto and then a couple seasons uh, at the end of his career in Colorado. So there's, there's, if you're going to pick a team, Colorado, but it, it still doesn't make any sense to, to go and play Colorado. So you might as well do an opening day or fan appreciation night. Yeah, I think, I think that'll be probably one of the best two picks um, for him to be honored. Um, and, you know, we talked about this, too, before, Jeremy. Uh, do you see anybody else that the Ducks would uh, retire after Jaguar? We, you know, had our poll question, and obviously Jaguar has been number one. I can't remember the percentage. But do you see the Ducks picking someone after Jaguar to retire? Well, I think, you know, when you're looking at it, the obvious choice is going to be Scott Niedermeyer. I mean, even though, you know, he went into the, uh, the Hall of Fame last season as a, as a devil, you know, he's probably always going to be remembered more so for what he did. You know, in the grand scheme of things, he's going to be remembered more so for what he did in New Jersey. But, I mean, you know, to everyone, in, you know, that's a Ducks fan and lives in Anaheim, you know, you're never going to forget Scott Niedermeyer basically being, you know, the catalyst for, for that run and that victory. And everything he did, I mean, I kind of think that, you know, he definitely deserves it. I know a lot of people have said Paul Korea, but I don't. You know, personally, my thoughts on Korea – I don't really have an issue with what happened with him. I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. And, right. you know, you do things for money. I get it. And sure, maybe it wasn't handled, you know, the greatest way ever. But I think, you know, and Tim Ryan actually touched on that, not at this last open house for those season ticket holders, but um, the year before that. And he kind of said, you know, there's a lot, a lot of mixed feelings on Paul right now for them to even really be talking about that. So, I mean, it could, but, you know, Bobby Ryan wore his number nine after he left, and, you know, it's definitely not the same as with Jiggy, where, you know, you guys said Gibson's been wearing 35 since he started, and he's kind of got that uh, that 36 because 35 is the hands-off number now. So I'm thinking maybe Niedermeyer. Um, Paul, I just, I just don't see it right now. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, Eddie and I went back and forth on this one before, and I think uh, Eddie agrees, too. We kind of lean. I mean, Niedermeyer didn't play so many seasons, obviously, with the Ducks. But I think we kind of lean that way, Eddie. Yeah, I would I'd love to see Paul Korea go in. But it, it's just there's it's too many mixed feelings between the fans. There's not like a, a, a majority or like 100 percent. You want you want most of the fans to uh, to appreciate the fact that he's going in because I, you know, if uh, he goes stands out there and they raise jersey, I I don't even know what the reaction would be. I feel like there'd be most of the people would be happy, but you know there could be a couple of people out there who who uh you know aren't really with it. So, uh and you know you can you kind of I look at it the same situation you know uh, with uh, Alfredson leaving Ottawa. You know obviously Korea doesn't have the same uh, resonance that Alfredson does in Ottawa, but. You know, um, Alfredson leaves to get cups and uh, Stanley go to Detroit and get a Stanley Cup and uh, get a little bit of extra money. And 
And uh, he still loved that. He was hated for a bit too. But uh, with Korea, it's a bit different. Uh, you know, he still has, after so many years, he still has a lot of people who, who don't like the um, how he left. So I don't see it happening in in the you know the near future. Maybe uh, eventually if everybody gets over it. But yeah, I don't see it happening. I, I'd see Niedemar before uh, Korea for sure. Yeah, I think even in one of my other uh, poll questions I had thrown out there on the blog, I think Niedermeyer, uh it was something about the team captains. I think he was... It was Niedermeyer, I think, was first, and Korea was second. I mean, it was kind of it was back and forth, you know. But I, I think you're right. There's too many mixed feelings. Um, going forward, uh, this coming season, the big issue has been, uh, and Eddie and I talked about this, and Jeremy, you just wrote about this, uh, has been the Ducks' defense. And you you wrote the last uh, article about the Ducks' defense and who you think's in there. And I'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts on it. Eddie and I have talked about this a little bit, but how do you see the Ducks' pairings and maybe a trade uh, coming down the pike? Um, you know, I'm really, as far as the pairings go, I mean, as of today, I don't see them changing a whole lot from last year because, I mean, when you look at it, Lovejoy and Fowler worked out, you know, basically perfect together. I mean... Lovejoy is just solid all the way around, I think. And I think he's really, you know, kind of undervalued and underrated when, I, you know, he's talked about by analysts and stuff like that. Uh, Fowler, obviously, I mean, he's got that expectation. And I've talked about this, you know, with a couple of my friends as far as Fowler goes. You know, we kind of sort of want to see him get maybe, you know, that, that assistant captain role and see if maybe that, you know, that added responsibility is kind of sort of what elevates his game to where, you know, he wants, you know, where he gets to where the Ducks want him to be. And, you know, all the fans obviously want him to be because he's got a lot riding on him. So um, I expect him to be better this year. I mean, he was pretty good last year. Um, and then, like I said, he worked out with Lovejoy really well. Um, Botanen, obviously, I'm going to see him probably paired with Brian Allen again, just because, I mean, I don't think Allen was terrible, but he's just kind of, you know, he's just kind of there really to me. Um, he did play well at, you know, times during the season but I think you know when you're looking at guys that might not be around anymore you kind of sort of have to look at contract situations too and you know Clayton Stoner obviously was just signed and he's kind of more or less a younger version of Brian Allen that might get you know a little bit more physically involved with things and when you look at their contracts the Ducks are going to have two uh, you know UFAs at the end of this season and that's going to be Allen and Boschman. Boschman, obviously, I'm expecting to finish out his contract. I don't necessarily think he's going to be brought back after this season. Um, Allen just seems to be, you know, if there is any sort of a trade, it seems like it's going to be him just because, I mean, basically, he's going to be gone at the end of the season anyway. So the Ducks might try and get whatever they can for him since they've got that option with Stoner there now. And, you know, Fistrick is now on that uh, that three-year deal. So that makes him tradable, too, because it's relatively cheap. But I think, you know, he's younger. And when he was given his chances last year, he did a pretty good job. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what the word's been as far as with Allen. Like you said, looking at the contract at the end of the season. You know, Fistrick is another one that some people have brought up because usually he's been, this, you know, the seventh guy that's kind of rotated in on the last pairing. Um, what do you think, Eddie? Any other additional thoughts? Uh, yeah, we've we've talked about this a lot already on a couple of the podcasts but uh i think uh it, it's not really worth it to uh you know a couple of uh, fans are saying that we should go out and uh, you know grab that top four guy but i don't really think it, it's worth it to to sell some of the farm to go grab uh you know a top four defenseman when Lindholm's entering his second season we've got Vatnin coming in uh you know he, he's probably growing a bit too we've got fowler who's looking to uh come off a productive season last year 
I, I think we should give these guys the chance to fill up the top four uh, instead of going out and, and selling some of the, uh, the good prospects we have to go out and grab a guy that we might already have. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think, you know, we talked about this before. Uh, I can't remember. One of the writers wrote about Fowler and Lovejoy as well. Um, you know, and you bring up a good point, Jeremy. I, I didn't think about Fowler being an assistant captain. That was another article we had. Um, you know, and that's a good point to put him in that spot because some people have mentioned Kessler, but you know what? Kessler wasn't on the Ducks team last year, so I don't see him getting that A. Right. So, I mean, it, you know, it might go – Fowler, um, some other people, I think Eddie and I talked about this, some other people mentioned Corey Perry, but I, you know, I don't know if it's going to be Corey Perry. I see more maybe like an Andrew Cogliano type, maybe. What do you think, Eddie? Yeah, um, I'm not too sure. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Fowler either. Uh, you know, there's argument about Corey Perry too. Um, I'm just, it's, it's, uh, when you look at leaders in that room, you know, there was, uh, Solani was, you know, the uh, leader there, even though he, uh, he didn't have the A on in, uh, Gatslav's the big leader, and it, it to me it, it doesn't really matter. I could see Cogliano too. Um, I could see Fowler. I could see Perry, Boschman even. Uh, they'll 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 work it out, and to me it it won't matter either way. You know if it's Cogliano or, or Perry, but I would like to see Fowler get it. He might uh he might uh, take that positively and uh, have uh, have a better season because of it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a big thing that's kind of been going on when we look at the Ducks defense and um, how they've been doing uh, around the league, uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but a lot of people look at the plus minus stats. And, you know, you obviously look at the Ducks defense and almost everybody was in the plus 10, 20, 30. You know, they were all doing very, very well. But there's this new movement now that's going on that they're talking about analytics and they're talking about these possession stats and all these other um, factors that they're looking at. And what do you think, Eddie? Do you think, you know, that we shouldn't look at plus and minus and goals and assists and all that? Or do you think, you know, um, we should? Well, I've never, um, I've never liked the plus minus stat really. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of shady, the plus minus stat in how it, how people use it to, uh, uh, to base on a player's, uh, ability. In some cases, it works uh, when you look at, you know, Yakupov and, and Ovechkin, who had terrible plus-minus. Uh, the last year, obviously, you look at their play and you can you can tell that they they rarely forge uh, back check. They they don't have any defensive capabilities usually or any responsibilities for defense. But w- when you look at the Ducks with all their guys plus-minus, well, uh, yeah, we were <laughs> we were top in the West last year. Uh, I'm pretty sure most of the guys are gonna are gonna be. In, in plus and, and significantly in the plus so you know it, it doesn't mean that necessarily that they themselves perform to a high level it's just the team was performing to a high level and scoring a lot of goals um but I, as for analytics i i'm not well versed in analytics to say the least but uh i think it's it's good that we're starting to uh you know bring in like kyle dubas uh, into the the lease organization uh there's a couple other people that recently i think someone got hired for edmonton i can't remember the name right now but uh yeah it seems like they're starting to move out you know the old boys club in, in the uh in management in the nhl where it's uh, all you know former players and and uh you know upper management guys and they're moving in uh newer younger guys that uh you know, trying to bring in the 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 kind of the uh, money puck revolution that they've done in uh, uh the, in uh, baseball. So I I don't know exactly how it's gonna work in hockey, but uh, I'm I'm definitely trying to learn more about it and, and uh, intrigued to see how it turns out. 
Yeah, you you bring up baseball, and that's that's that Moneyball movie with Brad Pitt. They talked about you know the Oakland A's, and instead of going with home runs and and RBIs, they're looking more on base percentage. And you know I'm not well versed in analytics either. And we're going to try and get a guest on the show to further go into this uh, for all the fans. But it seems like from what I've read and I looked at, they kind of compare it to puck possession. Um, you know, in the offensive zone as being a key to winning as opposed to plus minus shots on goal and even the Corsi stats. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy? Uh, you know, I'm with you guys. I'm not well versed in it at all yet. It's kind of kind of new, especially for hockey. I mean, I don't see how it um, it's really going to hurt anything. I mean, I can kind of see the argument from both sides of, you know, the fence on that one where, you know, it's going to be additional stats and it's going to look, you know, more like you said at puck possession and things like that, which we really don't look at a whole lot right now versus a plus minus. And, you know, and then I can see a lot more kind of hockey traditional is saying, well, you know, these are the stats that we've had forever. What's wrong with them? You know, I, you know, agree with what Eddie said. I don't think I don't not a huge fan of plus minus just because I don't think it, you know, it tells the whole story. I mean, I think we can all agree that the Ducks defense was kind of a, uh, a weak spot last year, and then you look at their plus-minus, and everybody was almost a plus because we were scoring goals left and right. You know, second in the league, one goal behind Chicago as far as goals scored last year. So, it doesn't it doesn't tell the whole story to me. And I kind of think you know if you're going to introduce something new, you might as well because I mean, it's not going to hurt anything really. I mean, I think it's it's probably for the better. Yeah, definitely, um, Eddie. What do, what do you think about the Corsi stats? You know, they try to factor in more uh, not just shots on goal but you know shots aimed towards the goal and other things like that because you know shots on goal too to me is a stat that some fans uh, complain about if a team gets you know 40 shots and one goal or 20 shots and three goals but I you know I don't really like shots on goal by itself either as a stat yeah shots on uh with shots on goal the the stats when they record the stats you know uh, it it's kind of gray when when you say if well if a shot's actually on goal or not. Um, I'm like I said again uh, with Corsi that's puck possession stats. I've I've heard the word. I've uh, I've looked it up a couple times. I I know very little when it comes to Corsi stats and how it affects uh, you know people's perception of teams. I've heard that the Ducks are have terrible Corsi and puck possession percentages. You know that's uh, a couple people. On Twitter, we're saying you know, that's why Danny Healy was such a bad pickup. We, he's one of the worst, uh, has one of the lowest course percentages in the league, and, and we're already a team that's that's uh, desperate for puck possession. But I and in in that aspect, I don't see why you know that's it's such a big deal considering how well we did last year. But yeah, um, I, like I said again, I, I I'm not the person that's best to discuss this, but um, I don't see uh, any any problem with that, how it's going right now. Yeah, you know, I mean, looking at what they're talking about, the, the kind of the way I look at it is face-offs to me is, is one of the biggest stats. I mean, there's not one single stat that you can sit there and go, hey, if you do well at this, you're going to win it all. But if you have to pick a stat that, to me, is significantly important is face-offs because if you win the face-offs, wherever you are on the ice, that's going to lead to more puck possession. That's going to lead to more opportunities to score. That's the one stat that I – I lean on, and I the reason why, and I, I hate to do it, but I go back to the King series, and that's why, to me, one of the big reasons we lost that series, Jeremy. Yeah, I, you know, I definitely agree, and it's, you know, he kind of touched on it earlier, talking about Kessler and Thompson and Raquel. I mean, Raquel's a guy. He was, you know, if I'm 
100% correct on this. He was our actual face-off percentage, you know, leader in the playoffs. No, you're correct. Yeah, so, you know, he was he was doing his part. Getzloff, you know, he's improved in it, but, I mean, it's like he said, it's an art, and he has not mastered it yet. I mean, I've heard those words come from his mouth. You know, he thinks he, he was talking about it at the open house and said, you know, people think, oh, it's real simple. You know, you just line up in a circle, you put your stick on the ice, and you get the puck. It's as simple as that, but, you know, it's he, he said it's, you know, basically it's an art form that he hasn't mastered, and he's hoping to improve on it just like he did last season, but, you know, it was, like you said, it was a killer in that King series. We were just not winning them, and when you've got, you know, a face-off coming up in your offensive zone, you know, possibly even on a power play, you have to be able to at least, you know, be above 50%, and Kessler, Raquel, Thompson, all of those guys are, you know, above 50% in their careers, so I think that's something that, you know, the Ducks, it it really hurt them last year, like you said, and I think it's going to be actually one of their strong points this season, and I mean, when you're the Ducks from last season and you don't have a whole lot that needs to get worked on and you immediately fix a face-off problem, which was, you know, probably one of their bigger issues, then, I mean, the teams, it's just looking really, really good for them right now. Yeah, you know, the other thing, uh, Eddie, that's good about the face-offs is I think the power play unit, the first unit, you're going to have Kessler in there taking the face-offs with Getzloff, Perry, probably Heatley, and then whatever defensive you want to put, uh, you know, probably Fowler or Lovejoy or Beauchemin. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I, I think we can look at the power play, which also had some issues in the playoffs because it would be hot one game and then not another. Maybe some more consistency there, Eddie. Yeah, um, when when you when you look at the power play and you look at you know big time centers that we have that you'd want to put on the power play, um, it's hard to see Getzlaff and and Kessler playing on the same unit because then the second unit is significantly weaker. And it, the second unit is always going to be weaker. But then like then you got to put either Thompson or Raquel on that line or you know Cogliano to take to take faceoffs. And and I don't think that's the best option, even though Getzlaff isn't that great at faceoffs. I, you know, I'd rather have the one-two punch on the power play as well instead of having, you know, Kessler and Getzloff on the same line. Because if you do that, then you've got, what, Perry on the wing, Getzloff on the point with Fowler, and then Kessler, then whoever they put on, on left wing. And then, you know, automatically when you drop down to that second unit, you've got to put a guy who's uh, not always on the power play and, and Thompson and then a newer guy in Raquel. And if they give that much uh, responsibility to Raquel, it could be a good thing, but I'd, I'd rather see them at least start with uh, Gadsloff and Kessel in different units. What do you think, Jeremy? you think that they should uh, put them on separate lines or try to, you know, load up on the first line? Um, well, you know, if it was me, I'd probably actually start them out both on the first unit. I mean, last year, it's like you said, our power play was either outstanding or it was terrible. And more often than not, it was, you know, terrible. We just couldn't get it done. And it was, you know, outside of faceoffs, that was our other big problem last year was, the inability to score on the power play. I mean, a guy that people don't really talk about a lot when it comes to the power play is also uh, Sammy Botnin, who's got, you know, he's not, he doesn't have that Sheldon Sorry type shot where it's, you know, really, really hard and really, really powerful, but it's really accurate. It is, you know, pretty, pretty strong for a guy his size. And I could definitely also see him playing back on the point. Um, but as far as that first unit goes, I think you got to try it with Kessler getting the face off. And then given, you know, that chance to, to parry and gets off to actually uh, punch it in. So what do you think? Uh, you know, you and I th- think similar. Eddie, Eddie disagrees a little bit. What do you think as far as the second line center? Who would we put? Would we put Thompson or would we put Raquel in there? I mean, yeah, I remember you wrote an article on, you know, on the centers and you had good perspective on that. What do you think as far as the second power play unit? 
That's, you know, that's a, that's another tough one because I mean, the other thing you have to look at with the power play is who's going to actually be, you know, running it coaching wise this year, because uh, we just hired Trent Yanni, you know, the Admirals coach uh, in Norfolk and he's going to be, it looks like he's going to be taking over the special teams and Norfolk had, you know, are really, really good special teams units on their power play and their penalty kill last year. So, I mean, he's got, the great thing about that hire is he has a lot of experience with guys like Raquel, Fottenen, you know, all of them, all of our younger guys. So I kind of think, you know, if you're going to put a center on the second power play unit, it might be Thompson just because he's kind of sort of the, uh, the veteran right now and Raquel's a little inexperienced. But, you know, that's going to be one of those things where I think it's just going to come down to training camp and preseason and, you know, maybe even well into the season just to see who's more successful in the circle because I think, you know, it's got to be whoever you pick. It's got to be the guy that's just better at winning the faceoff. So um, I see it as Thompson probably to start and then hopefully Raquel after that. You know, we had a fan question, too, about the centers. Um, we had one from Dylan in uh, Edmonton, and he was talking about uh, Paul Mary playing on the third line, but playing on the third line as a center. Is that a, the kind of option, Eddie, that you think we might try to do, uh, you know, with Thompson and Raquel? I know we talked about them being on the third and fourth line, but maybe you throw Paul Mary in the mix or no? Uh, I think we talked about this with uh, with uh, Thomas, too, and uh, we, we looked up Paul Mary's face-off stats, and they're almost non-existent, you know, because he's playing the odd penalty kill center role or something like that I, I don't think that's our best option um if we're gonna put anybody at center we're gonna force a winger to center then at least put one that's played there before in cogliano but yeah i definitely don't think paul mary is an option unless he's um he's shown somewhere else that he can play center but from what i've seen I, um and it's limited i don't think uh, he'd be the best option at all for for third line center right i think he'll be on the third line as a winger but probably Thompson as the third line center, and maybe Raquel as the fourth line center. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, the same thing, you know. And I mean, you're looking at as far as the third and the fourth lines go. Um, I think you know it's going to be it could be Thompson on the third line, it could be Raquel on the fourth line, just like you said. And I mean, who plays their wings is kind of sort of up in the air right now. I mean, if you put, it's kind of funny when you think about it. If you put Raquel on the fourth line, and then you put maybe Emerson Needham and Devontae Smith-Pelly right next to him. Well, that's a line they had in Norfolk that was really, really successful for them all season last year when they were all there together. So that's, you know, definitely an option as far as maybe a fourth line goes. It doesn't really seem like a fourth line because there's a lot of scoring capability on that line, but it's a good possibility. Um, as far as Paul Mary as a center, I don't see it. I don't know why you'd ever really have to. Um, yeah. That's that's kind of where I'm at on that. I kind of think we're going to see, you know, Getzloff is one, Kessler is two, Thompson is three, and then Raquel is four for a while anyway. And, I mean, you know, it's a Bruce Boudreaux team, so it could start that way and six minutes later be something completely different and stay that way for a game. So who knows? But that's kind of the way I think it's going to start anyway. Yeah, I, you know, you make a good point too in there about the lines because Eddie and I talked about this. Even though we've had the interview with Boudreaux on here um, from Sportsnet and we had the first two lines figured out, I think, Eddie, you can agree with this, too. The third and fourth line, we're just going to probably have to wait till the beginning of the season to see how that's going to shape up. Yeah, and and like with the Bruce Boudreaux team, it, it's really not going to be a third and a fourth line. It's just going to be they're basically the same line. They're, they're going to play the same amount of minutes. He's going to rotate at all the lines. And with the skill on both lines, I, you don't, you're not going to see typical fourth line minutes from that fourth line. You're going to see about 12 
instead of about six minutes per night. So, and he's going to be the same with with the third line. I see him rotating them equally and uh, getting all the guys out there instead of having typical fourth line minutes. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean it, it's like the Ducks will have line one, line two, but then line three is really either one of those interchanged, um, even uh, minutes like you said most of the time. Um, any other thoughts on that, Jeremy? No, just pretty much what Eddie said. You know, it's a it's a Bruce Boudreau team, and he's always preached that whole you know you have to win or you have to roll four four lines to be able to win. And luckily for the Ducks, they've got that talent up, you know all the way up and down their roster to be able to actually pull that off. So I think, you know, Eddie touched on it and pretty much nailed it. It's not really going to – you're not going to look at the Ducks' third and fourth line and be like, okay, that's a third and fourth line, obviously. I mean, it's going to be – you know, that those third and fourth lines are going to be meant to take a little bit of pressure off, you know, obviously the Gessloff Perry line and then, you know, the Kessler, Silverberg, Cogliano lines, all that. I, I, you know, tend to agree with Eddie on that one. It's, it's not going to look like your typical third and fourth line. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's that's pretty much it this week as far as our news and the things that we're going to discuss about the Ducks. Um, there wasn't too much news around the league. Uh, the only thing that did come up that was kind of interesting, I think Eddie and I talked about this, is that the uh, Luke Robitaille statue is going to go up uh, at Staples Center. Um, any thoughts on that, uh, Eddie? Um, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, he's an icon there. Um, but... Uh... I don't know. Do they have any other statues up, or is this their first? For, uh, uh, for, for them, just Wayne Gretzky. That's okay, all then I was going to say, yeah, Wayne Gretzky is definitely the first option. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't see wh- why, it, why Luke, but, you know, he's a fan favorite there, so I, I guess they can do whatever they want. I, I uh, But, yeah, it's it's kind of confusing. But, uh, you know, there's there's a couple other guys that come to mind uh, that they could put up instead of uh, Luke Robitaille. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's kind of an interesting dis- uh, decision by the Kings. Yeah, because, you know, he, he won a Stanley Cup, but he won it with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, but he has been with the management since they won. So any thoughts on that, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, looking at it, you know, it kind of makes sense for them because, I mean, his number's already been retired by them. He's still involved with the team. And, I mean, when you look at it, you know, I'm obviously not a Los Angeles Kings fan, but when you look at it um, – he, short of winning a Stanley Cup, he's he's done a, a you know a lot for that organization. So I mean, it I can see it. It makes sense to me. Um, and I mean, I think he's you know he's one of those guys who's definitely earned it. Like you said, he won his, his Stanley Cup with Detroit. Obviously not LA, but um, you kind of got to look at it as you know in the overall grand scheme of things, how much he actually did for the team as a player, and you know also now in management. Exactly. Um, you know, basically we'll just wrap up here with a few updates, uh, on the uh, blog. Um, I had some issues, uh, with, uh, a company called Getty Images, which I wanted to tell everybody about. If you're a blogger out there, you're someone that's using photos, not to use, uh, Getty Images because they will, uh, come after you for copyright issues, which, um, I'm glad Jeremy is helping us out uh, greatly. If you'll notice on the blog lately, most of the articles have had his wife's photos, Christine Perry, on there. So thank you for taking those photos, Jeremy, and letting us use them. Oh, you're welcome. No problem. Um, so that's just something that you guys out there that are also in the same you know, uh, area doing blogging or whatnot, or you see other people, just make sure to be uh, careful of that. And another thing that we're going to do on the uh, podcast is we're going to give away tickets to opening night. Uh, I was able to get an uh, extra pair of tickets. 
what we're going to do uh, is basically Eddie and I are going to uh, throw out a phrase or actually a word that's part of the phrase. I'm sorry. And after uh, four podcasts, there'll be a phrase that the words will form. All you got to do then, uh, and we'll obviously announce it when, the, when all the words have been um, put out there, is just send us an email. We'll keep it open for a few days, obviously, because I know that not everybody listens to the, you know, the podcast the same day. But um, what we'll do is have all those words each week. Um, this week, the word is going to be ducks. So that's the first word in the, uh, somewhere in the order of the phrase um, is ducks. And then we'll keep rolling with that. And then what we'll do is we'll announce the winner um, uh, probably five weeks from now, six weeks from now, Eddie, once we get uh, all the phrase out there and then we get uh, the answers, which will be uh, a random winner will be selected. And that's about all we have time for this week. Thanks for joining us, Jeremy. We look forward to having you uh, in weeks to come. Great. Thank you for having me. The Anaheim Ducks are the Stanley Cup champions.